You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good, everybody. Welcome to episode 36 of The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, and he is RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. What is up, good sir? What up, diggity dog, Rob Stats Guerrero. I hope all is well with you. All is well with me. I'm pumped. Football season is a real thing now. It's not a hypothetical. We have dates. We can plan trips. This is so exciting. I haven't had any coffee, but I feel fully caffeinated because the NFL schedule is that kind of juice for my life. It is one of my favorite days of the entire year yesterday. I know everyone, you know, the fun police like to come out on days like yesterday and say, we already know the opponents. Who cares? Like this just in the order matters and it matters a lot. It matters how many games you play against teams coming off a bye. It matters what your travel schedule is like. The order is massively important. And for people to get on their high horse and tell me how excited I can be on a random Wednesday in May is asinine to me, and it drives me crazy. I don't disagree with you whatsoever. Um, I also think that I did not like the decision at first to delay the schedule release this year until after the draft because I was so you know used to it, uh, but it works out better, um, and so that's a good thing. Uh, I will say stats that... I also, I just like, it just, again, it, it, it makes it real. Like you're talking about like, you want to know things and you want to examine it. And I certainly want to do that and we're going to, um, but I, I just, it, it makes it tangible and it makes it real in that sense. And I will say this, there's a super take when it comes to this, by the way, uh, that we all have to be aware of because the, the low hanging fruit take is what you said, right? Like, Oh yeah. Who cares? Blah, blah, blah. We know the opponents, blah, blah. but the super take that has now become like a populated take is, Man, I tell you what, the NFL is so good at making their 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 product a year round thing. Like that, like you can't say that anymore. Like we all know that. Like nobody nobody saying that is being original. Like we all know that the NFL wants to make the NFL a year long thing. So saying it doesn't make you original. Um, so that's just I had to get off my high horse about the super tick. I'm down for that. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. That's a good one. Antonio Gates played basketball in college. Um, so, you know, <laughs> wow, that's old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, and so, yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers have only had three coaches in the last like thousand years. So mm. uh, th- these are all we can. My point is we can put that take the super take in that box. It's there. We don't we don't have to pretend like it's not a thing anymore. It's been a thing for a while. Congratulations to the NFL. Congratulations to us. All right, so what we want to do today, we're going to take a look at, obviously, the schedule. We want to look at teams that need to get off to a fast start. We're going to look at some revenge games. We're going to look at how teams close out the season, because I think that's important too, RJ. But we're going to start in Tampa Bay, because that is where the season will start on Thursday night against your Dallas Cowboys. you got to start with the champs week one. How are you feeling there? 
I ain't scared. Cowboys have done this before in a very unique game, by the way, back in 2012, they played on a Wednesday when the NFL adjusted, as you'll remember, stats in light of the Democratic National Convention. Um, they won that game. Shout out to Kevin Ogletree. And uh, <laughs> we're the first team in the league to start off 1-0. Actually, a fun fact about the last time the Cowboys were in this exact slot. It was Tony Romo's sixth season entering the year as the team's starting quarterback. This is Dak Prescott's sixth season entering the year as the team's starting quarterback. And that season, 2012 again, was Jason Garrett's second season entering as the team's head coach. This is Mike McCarthy's second season entering as the team's head coach. These are all facts. The Cowboys won that game. And the Cowboys actually haven't won a home or an opener in general against a non-Giants team since beating the Buccaneers in week nine or in week one of 2009. Those are facts. George Washington's brother is the uncle of our country. That is also a fact, but I move on. Let's go to Tampa now. Let's welcome in Evan Winner of Bucks Nation. We want to get his take on the Bucks schedule. Evan, thank you for getting up early for us and joining us. How you doing? What's up, Rob? Thanks for having me as always and hope you're doing well. I am doing great. Thanks for coming on. Do you feel any pressure defending champs? Opening night since 2004, the defending champ is 13 and three, and the Cowboys are not an easy opponent. How are you feeling about week one? You feel good. I mean, obviously, after the Super Bowl win and what Tampa Bay has done in free agency and the draft, but at the same time, it's week one. You don't know what to expect, especially with the Cowboys team coming in with a lot of unknowns in terms of, you know, offense and defense. So it's while there is pressure at the same time, you feel really good. So Tom Brady, though, he eases all of that at the end of the day. Evan, your life has obviously been made far more simple from a football fan's perspective over the last year. So we're all very happy for you. Um, what is it like to be the center of attention? Because, again, for the Cowboys, it's nothing new, right? Like, oh, you're primetime. You're the first game of the season. Uh, the Cowboys have actually been in this slot before, not as the defending Super Bowl champion. Uh, but they visited the New York Giants in 2012, and they beat them. They're one of the only teams to win um, as the non-reigning champion in this slot. Uh, but it's, and again, not new for Bucks. This isn't like the Jaguars we're talking about, but still like somewhat relatively new. I mean, is it nice being, you know, the, uh, the, the kind of bell of the ball, so to speak right now. And in this moment. Oh yeah, for sure, man. I mean, <clears throat> the storylines are, are all about Tampa Bay. The week one was centered around who the Bucks were playing on the home opener. I mean, it is nice, especially being a married man, you know, that don't much much attention doesn't come your way in that regard. So, uh, But either way, man, it's it's great. Um, reminds me a lot of the 2003, 2004 seasons where a lot of um, attention was on the Bucks after they won that Super Bowl in 2002. So it is nice to bask in the glory. I'm not going to lie. I'm looking at the schedule overall, and I can't help but wonder if the NFL did Tampa Bay a couple of favors here, Evan. I mean, I know the opponents obviously are not determined by the league, but I look and you've got a week nine by, which is basically halfway through the season. That's pretty much exactly where you want it. If you're Tampa Bay, they only have two games outside of the Eastern time zone all year. And one of them is the Rams game, which is in week three. Like it is setting up. And by the way, the end of the schedule is Panthers, Jets, Panthers, <laughs> which reminds me of last year when they finished up with Falcons, Lions, Falcons. Like the NFL has given the Bucks a cherry schedule. 
I don't disagree. And before everything was finalized, I think they had the fourth easiest strength of schedule coming into the schedule release. Now, there is that rough stretch from about week three to week eight. Those six games, four of them are going to be on the road. And then you've got to go to L.A. and New England back to back. But yeah, overall, man, they definitely have um, some favorable matchups and some favorable spots on the schedule in terms of matchups for sure. See, Evan, I sadly disagree with stats. Like for stats, it's like everybody but the 49ers suck. Um, so I'm here. I'm here to like offer, you know, some actual objective perspective. Um, and so because like like stats is like, oh, the NFL did Tampa huge favor, giving them the Panthers twice and the Jets. Like that's who they're supposed to play. Like that's that's not, you know, like a gift by any means. Yeah, but all three in a row. Right. That's how you close out your season. Like if sure. they're competing for a number one seed, they got to play the Panthers twice, Sam Darnold twice and the Jets. Sure. Wow. Not, not disputing that. But so um, so the Cowboys will also play on two. Well, actually, the Cowboys will play on three Thursdays. But the Cowboys, just like the Buccaneers, will get the mini buy twice coming off of the season opener. And then their Thursday night football game, the Cowboys play on Thursday night the week after Thanksgiving. So that's two Thursdays in a row. But uh, but their opponents following their mini buys are the Chargers after the opener. And then on the road in Washington after their actual Thursday night game after Thanksgiving. And so I think those are really like if I had to pick two spots that I would want the mini buy to land before it would be before those two games versus Tampa. You get your mini buys before Atlanta at home. Both of the Cowboys games in questions are on the road. Um, so Atlanta at home. Yeah, Atlanta. Like I certainly believe they're the second best team in the division. But still, I don't know that they're a, a big threat or a big challenge to the Bucks ultimately. And then their second mini buy is Chicago at home. Mm-hmm. That's the team they get. So like both of their games after the mini buys come at home, I would rather those be road contests because you theoretically do have an advantage. And they're against the Falcons and the Bears. Like I feel like the Bucks got jobbed here. So like, yeah, stats. I mean, you know, get off the Bucks back a little bit here. I don't know. Do you agree, Ed? I mean, yeah, to an extent. And Atlanta, I mean, if we remember the week 14 matchup last year, they had, they were kicking the Bucks butt all up and down the field for that first half, 17 nothing lead. And then Chicago beat them. So these are two teams that kind of have a formula. Obviously, the uh, Falcons also being in the same division, but they know how to beat this team. So, yeah, man, I mean, those are definitely not um, easy matchups whatsoever. I do think, though, having the entire offseason, well, technically not the entire offseason, but you know, a good amount of time to prepare for Dallas and then having those extra 10 days before Atlanta certainly help. But yeah, definitely, definitely a lot harder than what it seems on the surface. But overall, I think stats is right, man. When you look at the, when you look at the last three games and then you combine that just with their overall schedule, um, if they can get through those first, that that's week three to week eight stretch, if they can come out three and three, four and two, they'll, they'll be in good shape the rest of the year. Did you hear that RJ? I just want to make sure. Did you hear what he said? <laughs> I, I think he, he said at the very beginning that I had a point. And that's after that, I blacked out, honestly. <laughs> um, I mean, so it is what it is. Uh, but I mean, again, I, I just feel like there should be, and this isn't like specifically the Bucks. there should be staples. Like every team should play on the road after their bye and things like that. Like these, these aren't like difficult variables to inject into like the overall formula, if that makes sense. And Are so you it, nuts? What are that- you not? Do you know how hard it is to make the schedule? Do you know that since they added the extra game, the extra game had a lot. Do you to know do how it. many possibilities there are? There are one. The number of possibilities is one followed by 20 zeros. It's so big. I don't even know what that actual number is called. It's not easy to just plug in these rules and make the schedule, RJ. 
Like I tried to, I'm commissioner in one of my fantasy football leagues and I used to try to set the schedules to a certain way. Dude, it would take me like four hours just to do that. So I can only imagine what it's like to do a full NFL schedule. Well, actually along those lines, what's the, um, what's the, like, if you're, if you're a fan of like streaming defenses or if you're like, you're not going to stream any bucks like skill player, but like in that specific case, the bucks aren't necessarily like a good, you know, question for this because the defense is awesome. But what's the softest point besides, cause the end is also like the end, like at that point, like your fantasy season, if you're playing in week 17 or 18, I guess, um, you know, what are you doing? But, and if you're doing that as commissioner, Evan, we got to have a talk, but either way, um, <laughs> what is, what is the point where like, if you had to stream the bucks defense for a month based on the schedule, what is the, point you like the most oh that's a good question so did you hear look, that that's a good question <laughs> looking question. at your yeah, schedule you man i would honestly i would take those last three games or that last month you got new orleans you got carolina you've got the jets and then you've got carolina um new orleans we don't know if it's going to be i mean i think it's going to be Taysom hill obviously that could change it's the nfl he'd get hurt whatever on down the line we don't know what's going to be going on at quarterback there they've also had some adjustments to be made on that roster but yeah looking at that um that one or i think a close second would be the washington giants indianapolis and atlanta stretch obviously you're going against ryan fitzpatrick daniel jones carson wentz i mean those three guys right there uh they could definitely give some points to a streaming defense but if i'm locking in something right now i'm going that last month of the schedule Last one for me, and this is kind of a, just a bigger picture question, not really related to the schedule. The Bucks. I mean, we've all made a big deal about how they're bringing everybody back. All 22 starters from the Super Bowl are going to be back this year, and they're just going to try and, and run it back. That traditionally has not worked in the NFL. Does that do you say, hey, we're that damn good. Let's go for it. We have Tom Brady. Or do you say, mm, I'm a little nervous here? Overall, I'm happy. I'm excited. I think it's going to work. Um, but there is just me being the objective person in all of this, trying to parse through everything. There is some worry because a lot of these guys that are key pieces of this offense and defense are a little bit older. They're longer in the tooth. If there's not, there's there's still some questionable death issues with the team. Um, and Tampa Bay has had outrageously good injury luck over the last two years. So eventually that levy is going to break at some point. Um, and then when you push, like like I was, we were talking about earlier before I come on, when, you, when you're pushing the money back in these deals like they've been doing this offseason, it definitely has a recipe to get interesting if things don't go their way. But right now, you got to feel good about it, especially how with how the team was clicking over the last six and a half weeks of the season. My last one, Evan, um, kind of similar to stats is, but better. Um, we're in a competitive mood today, if, uh, if that it. wasn't obvious. But um, I have a buddy who's a, a Denver Broncos fan, and we had this conversation in 2016, the year after the Broncos won the Super Bowl and, and didn't successfully defend it. And kind of a really similar situation, obviously, like all-time great quarterback, you know, signs of the team, whatever, blah, blah. Um, and he was so pissed that they were so bad the following year. And we had this conversation. I was like, dude, like I've been wandering as a Cowboys fan in this wilderness for a long time. Like you, you just like your team just won the Super Bowl. Like you've got like a five year window before you're allowed to be like upset about anything. And so obviously you want to see the Bucks repeat as champions. Like obviously you want to see them have success. But like if if the bottom fell out this season, like. Would you really like at the end of it, if they were four and 13, hypothetically, would you really be like devastated or would you be like, you know what? We we had our moment and yeah, this sucks, but like it's a whole lot better than it used to be. Oh, 100 percent. And by the way, hearing four and 13 still is just so. Oh, weird. yeah. It's <laughs> but, yeah. But hey, uh, hey, kudos, man, because I would have said four and 12. But anyway, um, 
yeah, you'd still be okay at the end of the day because they have a plan. They have a direction. They know what they want. They know what they're doing with this roster. So if Tom Brady goes down, obviously, you know, you're throwing your cards out the window anyways. Um, but yeah, man, if they, if the bottom are just to fall out and unless it's just obvious mismanagement, you know, something just obviously went wrong, then still feeling good after the end of the year. It has been 17 years since a team won the Super Bowl in consecutive seasons. That, of course, was Tom Brady with the Patriots. We'll see if Tampa Bay can do it again. Evan Winter from Bucks Nation, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, guys. We'll talk soon. All right, before we go to break, RJ, just want to ask you this question off the top of my head. If I give you the Bucks and the Chiefs versus the field, what are you taking to win I'm the taking, Super Bowl? I'm taking the field just because um, I actually – Sorry, Pete, and Pete will have a thought on this on Monday. I actually have more faith in the Bucks than I do the Chiefs because we have yet to see what will happen with Aaron Rodgers, and I know that's a high point of fascination here. But the Bucks, if 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 we, I, I like looking at divisions like this. But if we power ranked division favorites by um, by what we perceive to be threats within their division, I think the Bucks have the path of least resistance in terms of the favorite as a division champion. Um, and I think the Falcons are the largest threat, but I think they could have two real low quality teams this season in New Orleans and Carolina, as we talked about with Evan. And so their path is just so much easier. I think the Chargers are going to present such a difficult road for Kansas City. And then even if they get through it, I mean, Buffalo's lurking, Baltimore's lurking, Cleveland's lurking. Maybe Pittsburgh proves us wrong. Maybe Indianapolis is good. In the NFC, like maybe it is Dallas, right? Maybe, um, maybe the Rams. And but if if Aaron Rodgers is gone, like the the field is just so much smaller in the NFC. So I, I lean Bucks, but I'd still take the field because you always take the field. One of the teams you mentioned there is actually my pick for the the squad that needs to get off to the fastest start because I feel like if they don't. Their season is going to go down the tubes very quickly. So I'll tell you who that is when we come back from the break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the look ahead here on the SB Nation NFL show. All right, RJ, one of the things I asked you is which team you think needs to get off to the fastest start? Because again, I think the order of these games matters. And I think that if you've got all your tough games early and you don't have your stuff together and you lose those games, the season swirls, you know, you could see the season swirling the drain here. Like it gets away from you very, very quickly. So I have searched and scoured through all 32 teams, and I have picked the team that I think needs to get off to the fastest start. Yeah, okay. I, I have a suggestion as well, but, you know, this is, this is your thought exercise, so I'll, I will allow you to go first. To me, it's the Indianapolis Colts. They're breaking in Carson Wentz that made a huge deal in the offseason. Carson Wentz is coming off the worst season he's ever had, arguably the worst starting quarterback in football last year. And he's their guy. And how does the league reward the Indianapolis Colts right out of the gate? Well, you've got to go four of your first five games are against teams that made the playoffs last year. And the fifth game in that stretch is against Miami, who won 10 games. So, yay, Colts. 
three of those five games are on the road, RJ. They are going to have to sort of take a punch early. They go home against Seattle, home against the Rams, on the road against Tennessee, on the road against Miami, and then on the road against Baltimore. That is a stretch to start the year. I mean, conceivably, they could be one and four to start the year. And then everyone's saying what a disaster it was. Who knows how Carson Wentz is going to respond in that situation. We've seen him get a little pouty. To me, the Colts better have their stuff together out of the gate because there is no margin for error. I agree with this entirely. This is a great point. So congratulations to you, Stats. You are our MVP of the day. Uh, in my estimation, I don't, I don't know. We didn't confer about this, but I, I, I would imagine you agree. Um, I also, you mentioned how the order of games matter. The time matters too. And the time matters because of perception. And so, and, and the reason I say that is, at, in, at the noon hour, not everybody is getting seen, right? Like maybe you're watching Red Zone if your team isn't playing. And so you're seeing like the good things from everybody. But of the stretch you mentioned, Indianapolis's first five games, obviously, Seattle, Los Angeles, the Rams specifically, at Tennessee, at Miami, those first four games are all in the noon slot. And so if they suck, if they're awful, if Carson Wentz is bad, yes, like people will know like, oh, the Colts lost. Like they'll see, you know, whoever talking about it on whatever highlight show they're watching, but it won't be this like in your face thing. And so to your point, they could limp into their road game in Baltimore with maybe one win to their name. And that is on Monday night football. So it's like, here you are, you're really bad. We're going to put you in front of the whole country in a place that is obviously, you know, the home to a very good team uh, and a quarterback who will look the exact opposite of Carson Wentz in terms of functional and awesome and fast and perfect. Um, and so that could really, really I'd be like be like the straw that breaks their back nationally, I think. And then they get a week to rebound. They get Houston at home. But, you know, that's such a big question mark in and of itself. And then again, maybe they're still really bad. And so what's the prize? Then Sunday night football on the road in San Francisco. Low key, great uniform matchup. Um, and, you know, that could look really bad. That could look really great. Like the 49ers are a bit of a question mark, too, as you well know. So, yeah, like the the placement of the Monday night game, I think, could really spell disaster for them in terms of just public ridicule. Right, because potentially Carson Wentz could have two bad nationally televised games in three weeks, which is not going to help with public perception. Now, I will say the schedule does lighten up after that. New York, Jacksonville, they play Houston again, obviously. They only have the 23rd most difficult schedule by opponent winning percentage from the previous season. So it's not like a massively difficult schedule for the Colts. But again, the order matters, and they have that log jam there right at the start of the season where, to me, I think it's going to be kind of a test for Carson Wentz. You know, there's no training wheels for you. You better hit the ground running because it could get ugly. I have another team stats that I feel like needs to get off to a fast start. They actually play the Colts in this opening stretch, um, and I think you'll be a fan of the idea that I think they could struggle early. Do you have a guess for who my team is? The Seattle Seahawks. Wrong. The Los Angeles Rams. Now, the Rams have – it is super rare that you make a massive move like the Rams did in the offseason and get, like, general approval. That's what has happened to the Rams. That's the Sean McVay effect. I know BLG has talked about this. It's something he and I are simpatico on. Uh, we don't agree on a lot of things, which, by the way, if you listen to the newest episode of the NFC's mixtape, which will drop later on Thursday, I believe, we will have a lot of disagreements there. But – um, anything Sean McVay touches is gold as far as the NFL is concerned. I know that's uh, an idea that you are not fond of, Stads. But um, the Rams, they open with Chicago on Sunday Night Football, as we know. 
Then they are in Indianapolis. And if the Colts are good, obviously that changes things that we're talking about overall. But then they get Tampa at home. Then they get Arizona at home. Then they're in Seattle. So back-to-back division games. Then at the New York Giants, not a real big of a threat. Then Detroit, then at Houston. But the reason I think they have to get to a hot start is if you look at the finish after the bye, the Rams' bye is in week 11. So they're at Green Bay. We don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, but if he's there, that's a very, very, very tough game. Jacksonville at home, okay, fine. But then at Arizona, Seattle, at Minnesota, at Baltimore, San Francisco to finish the season off. Uh, Their final five games are tough. I mean, so they've sometimes, and you can learn this when the schedule comes out, you have to pile up wins in certain stretches to survive others. And I really think that the Rams have to take advantage of their opening stretch because the end gets so much more difficult. That's a that is a murderer's row to end the season. If I'm a Rams fan, though, I look at that and say, I I wonder if maybe that's good because at least, you know, by week 12, week 13, Stafford has been there for almost a whole season. You know, he's had more time to become comfortable with the players he's playing with, with the playbook. So if I've got to have a stretch like this, I would rather have it be at the end of the year where at least he's not, you know, like, in his first game with his new playbook and new teammates with possibly an abbreviated offseason program. If I had to pick where they would place that, I mean, you'd like to have them a little more spread out, but if they had to be clumped together, I think it's better for the Rams that they're at the end of the season rather than the beginning. That's interesting. Um, look at you spinning things into a positive outcome for the Rams. Um, I have a, a whole different soapbox. I want to get on. If you allow me stats, I have something that like has pissed me off and spoiler alert i did tip stats off to this so like it isn't a fiery blaze that's hitting his face (laughs) at once um but okay obviously i looked at the cowboy schedule right awesome and i want to ask you a question about the cowboy schedule in a minute but of the cowboys final what is it five games i believe here of their final five games i've lost them now here the cowboys they're at washington at new york talking about the giants home for washington arizona at home at philadelphia of their final Five games, four are within the division. If we look at Philadelphia's final stretch here, because obviously they're involved here, at their buys in week 14, really late buys. I can't believe there are buys after week Thanksgiving. Week 14. Yeah. Uh, but their final four games are Washington, New York, at Washington, Dallas. And if you go to the two weeks before their buy, they play the Giants and Jets entering their buy. So for their last four games in a row and four of their last five are within the division. The Washington football team, they play the Las Vegas Raiders on the road in Vegas in week 13. After that, though, from week 14 on, this is Washington's schedule. Dallas at Philadelphia, at Dallas, Philadelphia, at New York. Their final five games are within the division, including four weeks straight where they go Dallas at Philly, at Dallas, Philly. It is so dumb when a team plays a division rival twice in three weeks. Washington does it twice. So you have literally... (laughs) Uh, what, 75% of the division is playing a division rival twice within three weeks within the NFC East. I mean, there are going to be like three NFC East games that have been played prior to this final month of the season. It's so stupid. I don't like that at all. I, I love the division games at the end of the year. That was a very smart move that the NFL made. It make it ratchets the intensity of those games up. It really helps sustain and intensify the divisional rivalries. But you can have too much of a good thing. And this is clearly going overboard. And I know the schedule is hard to make. 
I just, you know, I talked about it earlier. There's a zillion possibilities and everybody has their requests and complaints and blah, blah, blah. But there are some things that you cannot let happen. And I feel like you can't let this happen where all these division games are clumped up for all these teams. And I almost wonder if the NFL was like, ah, you know what? It's the NFC East. Dallas is going to run away with the division anyway. Let's just do it. Maybe, but I just, it it's... I don't want to say it's gross. Like, that's the only thing. It's unfair. Like, it's impractical to the division. And the, here's the thing. Like, nobody, like, everyone wants to win their division. But I would imagine that, I mean, I don't think any Washington football fan is upset that they won the division. But it feels different when, if you're Washington last year, Dak Prescott's hurt. And, you know, there's that, there's that like, you feel like it wasn't real. You know what I mean? And so this sucks because, like, if any injury <laughs> or anything like that happens down the final stretch, it's not just like a normal level of impact. It is a massive, like complete, you know, Biff taking the almanac back to 1955 timeline adjustment here. And that really sucks. The Giants play three division games over their final four games as well. They go Dallas at Philadelphia at Chicago, uh, Washington at home. In the last month of the season, stats, the last four weeks. Uh, thank you, Bear. All of the games within the NFC East are against each other except for two. That is wild. And honestly, like Dallas and Arizona, that's an old school NFC East game. So I'm sort of like, you could kind of grandfather that in, right? Bear agrees. Yeah, I mean, it is so dumb. And the other game is obviously with the, against the Bears for the Giants here. So that's why Bear wanted to get his, his voice in. But I don't under, like, what is the what is the justification? I mean, and this happened to Kansas City too, by the way. Shout out to Pete. Of their final five, six games after the bye, they have Denver. They have Vegas at home. At Los Angeles, the Chargers. So three in a row. Pittsburgh at home. At Cincinnati. At Denver. Four of their final six games are against the division. That what like why like we do love the division juice but this is you mentioned too much of a good thing like we all love steak stats we love filet mignon but imagine going and like here's three pounds of filet mignon there's no <laughs> salad there's no you know macaroni there's no butter there's no you know asparagus there's no green beans like it's overwhelming and this but and it, well, again like besides the fact that it's overwhelming you're messing with outcomes because like we've seen and I'm, I'm not at all trying to will any injury to, into existence but we've seen Patrick Mahomes miss time right like remember two years ago when he missed time and it it worked out for Kansas City that they they lost to the Packers because losing to the other conference is the least consequential but imagine if like something like even a, a one or two week injury happens here you are dramatically affecting the entire NFC East and like nobody wants that and so I don't know why you would allow this when when it, it's such I don't want to say an easy thing to avoid, but even now looking at Carolina, Carolina has the buy in week 13, their final five games, Atlanta at home at Buffalo, but then Tampa at New Orleans at Tampa. Why? We, this, this is, we don't like this. We don't want this at all. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I mean, they come up with a zillion schedule possibilities. Are you telling me this is the best one? Like for all those teams to play all those division games so close together. I don't want to say it cheapens the games earlier in the season because that's not accurate either. I mean, they only play 17, so they're all important. But I don't know. There's something different about sprinkling the division games throughout the season. I think it makes it better. The division storylines change as the season goes along. You know, if one team, like if Arizona gets off to a super hot start early, it's different than than later in the season. Maybe they come in, they, they're hot, it's looking good in the division, and then they lose a couple division. Get like, it's just odd. I don't like it. I agree with you. And I don't know if this is like a 
a conscious decision that the league made or just something that just kind of happened this year, but I hope it's a one and done. The last thing I'll say within this diatribe of sorts is we've seen teams get hot and make the playoffs and that's entertaining. That's thrilling. Like the Packers running the table, which burned the Cowboys. Um, but like Washington, what was Washington RG three's rookie year with, with uh, Mike Shannon, were they two and seven right before they ripped off seven in a row? I, I believe that's what they were uh, in 2012. And so like you can do that as stats pulls it up. Appreciate it. I, again, I, my money is on that. They were two and seven at one point and they finished nine and seven. Um, but so you look at like the NFC East now with all of the games that are lumped up at the end like this. And so Washington, who their, their final five, they have five division games in a row. That's so dumb. I mean, <laughs> and, and so like Washington or Dallas or Philly, even New York with three of their last four, they could be so far out of it before the final month of the season. And ultimately, whoever deserves to win the division should. But I, like what 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 is interesting is when the composite of a season makes sense and the composite of a season won't make sense within the NFC East this year because it is this log jam at the very end. The 2012 Washington football team was three and six after nine weeks. They went into their bye week in week mm. 10 and then they did not lose another game in the regular season. They finished 10 and six before losing to the Seattle Seahawks in the wildcard playoff round. The uh, the game that RG3 was injured in. I was very close. I mean, you know, it's off by a factor of one. That was actually, um, you know, I, I talked about the 2012 season a, a little while ago. That was the last time before last year that uh, Washington swept Dallas. So thanks for bringing that up, Stats. Painful memories. Speaking of Dallas, really quick before we get to some of our revenge games, I looked at the Cowboys' schedule, RJ, and I got to tell you, your team better go undefeated at home. <laughs> Because all their tough games, all their hardest games are on the road. And that's one of the things I look for. I hate that as a, as a, a fan of any team. Like, that is not a formula for success. So um, that was known before the schedule. So, but yes. I, I agree with you. I did want to ask you about the Cowboys schedule stats. I asked this. We did a live show on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel uh, right after the schedule came out. They visit Kansas City in week 11. That's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. That's always such a great slot. That's it's going to be Romo, Nance, Tracy Wilson. It's going to be great. But so let's look from Thanksgiving on. Just quickly before we move on here. They host Vegas on Thanksgiving. Then they're at New Orleans seven days later on Thursday Night Football. Then they get the mini-buy before they travel to take on Washington. And I said with Evan, if I could have placed the mini-buy anywhere, it would have been before the road game in Washington because that's the most difficult division game for the Cowboys. Then they're at New York. Then they get Washington at home twice in three weeks. So stupid. Uh, then they get Arizona <laughs> at home. And then they finish at Philadelphia. How many games? What's, what's their record of these final seven games, starting with Vegas on Thanksgiving? Um, I Just would on the say surface, based on what we know now, I would say they're going to lose one of the games against Washington because I, I think Washington's going to be pretty good, and maybe one other loss in there, maybe. But I think at most you're losing two of those games. So what's that make you five and two? Right. So this is the point I brought up, right? And I mean, so if we're talking, if the goal, I, I think we think 10 wins, we're all, we're all still new at the 17 game thing, but I think we think 10 wins might be enough to get you into the playoffs, certainly with three wildcard spots, but uh, 10 or 11. So the, my point is then all you got to do is get to Thanksgiving with five or six wins. That's it. Like, and that's pretty easy to do. And so, I mean, not easy, but you get my point. And so um, if, if they're not, if they don't, I, th I think the floor is 10 wins. And if, if they don't hit that, a disaster had to have happened in my mind. 
The only thing is you start the season with Tampa and the Chargers, both on the road. Dallas could easily be 0-2 and be a really good team, but then you go into a division game against Philadelphia on Monday Night Football, and God help you, RJ, if somehow the Eagles pulled that one out because then you'd be 0-3 and the world, the sky would be falling for the Cowboys. It really would, and I'm double-checking this as we're talking, but I believe, Stats, that the Dallas Cowboys are the only team in the NFL, no big deal, to have to play three road games in a row this season. I don't think anybody else has to deal with that. Um, So what the heck? What's going on here? This is unfair. I'm upset about this. If I was the Philadelphia Eagles, I would make a rule about this because that's what they do. (laughs) They whine and complain about stuff like that. Yeah, but one of those, like you said, is an extended Uh, buy. Indianapolis plays three games on the road as well. But and to be fair, though, one of them is the the last one is the Monday night game. So it, it is a bit of an extension, you know, in terms of like it's not Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, but whatever. All right. Let me ask you this question as we move on here. What is your best revenge game? And I hope you don't try and take the low hanging fruit, because if you do, I'm going to smack you down. Tampa, New England is I mean, it's not even low hanging fruit. It's buried like it's so far low. We've reburied it to grow another tree. Um, I don't put a lot of stock into the, you know, Jared Goff Rams revenge game. Um, that really doesn't bother me that much. Um, so it is what it is. I'm going to kind of, uh, this is a weird turn, but I think you wanted that. Um, I don't know if you saw this BLG and I did talk about this on the oddcast when I filled in for you, but the New York giants digital team had been tweeting prior to the schedule release saying that they wanted to play the Eagles in week one. And when I first saw the tweet before I talked to BLG, I actually was kind of confused. And I forgot that the Eagles obviously threw the game in week 17 last year, which led to the Washington football team winning the division and New York, not winning the division. New York was super upset that they weren't allowed to win the division at six and 10, uh, <laughs> Big, big time ground for them to stand on. But uh, New York's first game against Philadelphia is week 12. Um, and that is in New York. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, ang- clearly the Giants feel like they were wrong. However, sillyly, they feel that. Um, so that's, that's the one I'm, I'm looking forward to. There you go. Come up with a more unique answer than that, Stats. I dare you. Man, I did not know that the digital team could strike such <laughs> hatred in you, but I like it. I, I That's a little, you know, it's outside the box. That's kind of the thing that we're going for. I agree with you. I don't think the Brady to New England thing is as much of a revenge game as people think. Like, first of all, Brady played there for 20 years. Brady's the one that wanted to leave. It's not like they kicked him out the door. He purposely engineered his contract so that he could have a chance at free agency. He already got revenge last year because they won the damn Super Bowl. I mean, Belichick probably wants to beat him, but I don't think this is like a a huge revenge game. I think it's people are way off on that. I have another one, if you'll allow me. Um, And it's it does. I don't know if you would qualify it as revenge. Um, And I, I know that you are terrified about this game. Week eight, the San Francisco 49ers visiting the Chicago Bears. I love when, in this case, like badass rookie quarterback gets to, like the incumbent badass rookie quarterback, which we all think Justin Fields is, gets to play the teams that passed on him. Um, And so that will be very cool to see, especially because we all think that San Francisco made a mistake. And so (laughs) Justin Fields can, can kind of prove it to him. Thank you, Bear. 
I am a little worried about that game. I desperately want it to be Trey Lance against Justin Fields. Like nobody wants to see Jimmy Garoppolo go against Andy Dalton. Like, sorry, you give me Lance and Fields. You can put that game in prime time. I think Justin Fields has a massive chip on his shoulder, not only because he's always been second fiddle to Trevor Lawrence in his entire career since going back to high school when Trevor Lawrence was the number one recruit and he was number two. Now he's got this whole thing with the Niners where, I mean, if you looked at the at the Ohio State Pro Day, Kyle Shanahan and Justin Fields were like yucking it up. They had like a 25-minute conversation. Like I walked away from that being like, this dude's the pick. Like I'm, I'm going to get a Justin Fields jersey. That's where we're at. Now, of course, we know that they passed on him. He fell all the way down where he did to Chicago. I think he's going to come out looking for blood. And I, I'm excited about that game, and I'm praying that it's Trey Lance against Justin Fields. Who wants to see anything else? I have one more. Um, and again, I've gone a unique way. I don't know if you have one, Stats. I've kind of commandeered this. Uh, <laughs> but people love to hate on the Dolphins for taking Tua over Justin Herbert, right? Like, you see that all the time, right? Like, imagine they take taken Justin Herbert. Well, and the Washington football team passed on Justin Herbert, too. And they're mm-hmm. still in the quarterback wilderness themselves. And they took Chase Young, so, like, obviously, you know, not – I don't want to call two a miss, but not a miss. But week one, the Washington football team gets the Chargers. And that's the quarterback they could have had, theoretically. I mean, if if you redid the 2020 NFL draft, is there any question that Herbert goes two to Washington after Burrow goes one to Cincinnati? As, as great as Chase Young is. I mean, so I'm I like playing like what ifs, and I'm fascinated to watch that. And I like the fact that the guy that Washington chose instead of Herbert is directly will be directly responsible for stopping Herbert. Like, it's not like the two quarterbacks where they they don't really play against each other, so to speak. Whereas in this case, you've got Chase Young, a defensive end, whose job is to sack and pressure and disrupt Justin Herbert. Do you have a revenge game, Stats? I think that the most interesting revenge game is week nine. And that's Cam Newton and the Patriots going to Charlotte. Cam going back to Carolina because I look at how it ended there. First of all, Cam thinks he's still MVP Cam Newton. He said, you know, I'm not a backup quarterback. He still thinks of himself as, you know, prime Cam Newton. And Matt Rule and that new coaching staff come in. They don't even give Cam a chance, right? They're like, thanks for everything. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. They give Cam the boot. And what do they do? They give a three-year, $63 million contract to Teddy freaking Bridgewater. Like, if you're Cam Newton, you're like, I'm an MVP. You're kicking me out the door sight unseen for this dude? For Teddy Two Gloves? I'm not down with that. And I think Cam has a ton to prove. He's coming off a year where he obviously struggled throwing the football. New team. Had no weapons. The whole COVID thing. He was always behind the eight ball. I think Cam is coming in with a massive chip on his shoulder. And I think if there's one game he wants to win all year, it's week nine against the Panthers. I like this take a lot. So, again, that's why you're the MVP today, Stats. Uh, what did Steve Smith say the first time the Ravens – he said there was, was there will be blood and guts everywhere when he was asked <laughs> about um, the, the first game he would play as a Raven against the Panthers. And I don't know off the top of my head, but I know Steve Smith did go off in that game. Um, he had like – there was like a crazy tipped pass that he took for like a 73-yard touchdown or something like that. Um, and so he, he won. Like in the battle of revenge, like – and so I I am rooting for Cam because you're right. Like 
people dismiss Cam Newton all the time. And the Mac Jones factor is very interesting this season. Um, but again, like this is Cam Newton. This is a people also throw the term generational out way too cavalierly. This is a generational person. And is he who he was in 2015? No, but nobody is. And so I'm very fascinated to see that. That's a really, really, really good one, Stats. We have never seen a quarterback with the physical abilities of Cam Newton in the NFL ever. And we may never again. He's a monster. Every single person I talked to, RJ, when I worked at NBC, who would go to the games for Sunday Night Football said, you do not understand how big of a person Cam Newton is and how much of a mutant he is, even compared to the other mutants playing in the NFL. Like other NFL players are like, that dude is a freak. Anytime you see him in person, it's a whole different ball game. He is a monster. We've never seen that combination again. And I think he still thinks he can play up to that MVP form. And I think he is definitely going to be going for it all out, especially week nine against the Panthers. I have one final question, Stats. Um, my, I, I refer to him a lot as my friend Jimmy. His name's Jimmy. He's my friend. Um, and he's a big Houston Texans fan. And so we were talking about this, and the Texans host the Jacksonville Jaguars in week one. That's People talk about Cowboys-Giants week one. Texans Jaguars week one at noon is like the most obvious thing that will ever happen in an NFL <laughs> schedule. Um, but he, he threw this out. And I thought it was interesting. He said, is this the best possibility that the Texans will have all season long to be favored in the game against the Jaguars in Trevor Lawrence's first start urban Myers first game, because like it's difficult to look at their schedule. I'm not even sure. I don't, I forgot what the opening, I know you had the opening lines, but I forgot. I think Houston is favored. Um, but what if they might be, um, I say that as I, as I'm talking, I'm looking it up. So I'm kind of stalling and looking, you know, buying myself time. That's, that's how you do things on a podcast. You obviously. can't stall if you say that you're stalling. I'm definitely stalling and that's okay. Uh, I've got the odds here. The Jags are favored by one and a half. Okay. The Jags favored by one and a half, but so they're not favored, but was this not the best opportunity that they had, which they failed in to be favored in a game that they will have all season long conceivably? The only other option I see on the schedule, barring an injury to a quarterback, is week three, they go against the Panthers. And Sam Darnold is can be horrible. Like, at least Tyrod Taylor, like, his floor is an average quarterback. Sam Darnold's floor is, like, worst quarterback in the league. So if Darnold is struggling, maybe that's the opportunity for the Texans to be favored. But other than that, it is dark. You're right. You mentioning that... Um... It's a rough start to the season for Thursday Night Football. And I'm talking about the the broadcast that is Thursday Night Football. The first game of the season, this gets this is a common misconception, is not Thursday Night Football. It's the Sunday Night Football broadcast. Which is the dumbest thing ever, by the way. Can I just say, <laughs> give me two seconds, because I worked at NBC for seven years, and they used to get their underwear in a bunch every time you mentioned how stupid it was, and God forbid you didn't call the Thursday Night game that opens the season Sunday Night Football, which makes no sense. It's stupid. Nobody calls it Sunday Night Football, and NBC is stupid for doing that. And I just had to say that because I've been waiting seven years to do it. Well, so if you didn't know, loyal listener, uh, <laughs> the first game of the season does take place on a Thursday, but the broadcast crew is the one from Sunday Night Football. It's Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Michelle Tafoya. And so it is not Thursday Night Football. Thursday Night Football is its own broadcast entity. So Thursday Night Football, the package truly begins in week two. But against that's the, the beginning to it is a little bit rough. 
you've got the New York Giants visiting the Washington football team. Meh. Then you've got the game you talked about. You've got the uh, uh, Carolina Panthers visiting the Houston Texans. Meh. Then in week four, you've got the uh, since uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. That's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, last two number one overall picks, but it yep. could be it could be a stinker. Um, and then after that, you've got the uh, Los Angeles Rams in Seattle. That's been some great Thursday night games before. And then you've got uh, Tampa Bay and Philly. So t- it's a slow build. You know, it's a slow burn. First couple games, a little bit bad. Um, we, we, we basically, we, we got to get to October for Thursday night football. <laughs> After the Sunday night football broadcast on Thursday night, it's a little bit rough for just a little bit. It generally goes, if you were to look back at the last handful of years, the Sunday night slate is always the best of the primetime games. At Sunday night football, it has always been good for the past probably decade. All those games, almost all of them are great. Then it goes, there's a huge drop off. And then it goes the Monday night games. And then there's an even bigger drop off. And then it's the Thursday games. That's generally how the primetime power rankings go. Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. It's not primetime, but I would sandwich in there. And I think you would agree after Sunday night football, still a massive drop off. But then the afternoon window on Fox and CBS that that gets the the second best, you know, kind of group uh, by conference, obviously, NFC and AFC. Um, What what is CBS's official name for that? Because Fox's is America's game of the week um cbs oh, i don't know who cares well it's it's official lingo i mean so it is what it is by the way the cowboys i think will play three games with tony romo watching over them um although oh, here we go jim although uh tony romo was in the booth when dak prescott was hurt so not a great memory there um <laughs> but uh but yeah the thanksgiving oh we didn't even talk about who the uh the bears are uh, the bears are in detroit on thanksgiving stats is that correct the thanksgiving games i mean first First of all, the last game on Thanksgiving is the game I barely watch because I'm usually so hopped up on tryptophan and whatever alcoholic beverages I happen to consume that like I'm in and out of that last what's game. Your, what's your ideal Thanksgiving night alcoholic beverage? That's a really unique spot. I'm a simple man. I go old fashioned. That that's the right call because it's a little bit chilly outside. You know what I mean? Like you can't. My point is you can't be like cracking brews there. You know what I mean? Like it's, no, it's yeah. got to be it's got to be right and it's got to jive with the mood or the meal that you had earlier in the day. Um, so our Thanksgiving slate. See, shout out to us stats. We didn't do the like who's got the most primetime games. This was a, a schedule breakdown unlike any you've ever seen. Uh, so congratulations to us. But Detroit, Chicago, meh. Dallas, Vegas. Actually, the last time Dallas hosted the Raiders in 2013 was also on Thanksgiving. Uh, But this is obviously John Gruden. Could be Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? The night game you mentioned, the New Orleans Saints host the Buffalo Bills. That's very cool. Why do the Saints get so many primetime games? Like, does the NFL not know that Drew Brees isn't playing there anymore? Like, I don't even think the Saints are going to be good. You're giving primetime games to Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill? Like, why? Um, I don't have an answer for you. Of course um, not. But I don't know. I mean, they, they have a Thanksgiving feel. I mean, at this point, like they've been involved so much. Like there are certain teams that could never play on the Thanksgiving night slot. Certain teams can. Like I think Kansas City can. I think Denver can. I think New Orleans can. I think Atlanta can. Um, I think Baltimore, Pittsburgh, you know, like San Francisco. Like remember the Harbaugh Bowl that was there in like, was it like 2000? 12 12 no it's 2013 isn't it the year after the super bowl i don't know whatever either way uh the point is i mean 
Buffalo can sneak in, but New Orleans is kind of a Thanksgiving night staple. I'm fine with this. I, I, I'm not into staples, all right? <laughs> give me the staple remote. Because the staple to me is, well, we've always done this, so we're going to keep doing it. And that that is not how I roll. Do you remember, was it three years, three or four years ago when we had Pittsburgh, Indianapolis? Like, that felt weird. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see that. You know, that's just, that's, that's too awkward on, on, on Thanksgiving night. What that was Ben Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck, wasn't it? What are you complaining about? Uh, it worked out, but it was still awkward. And like Stets, you're complaining about, you know, I'll put you on the spot here. Uh, if, you, if you think New Orleans is so bad, and Buffalo, we both agree, is very good, uh, what was the final score of the butt fumble game? My point is, does does New Orleans get blown out worse by Buffalo on Thanksgiving night this year than the Jets did in the butt fumble game? But one is not connected to the other. Just because you put the Jets there doesn't mean you have to put the Saints there this year. That's the mistake you're making. It doesn't matter. I'm asked the final score of that game was 49 to 19. Okay. So does does New Orleans lose by 30 or less to Buffalo on Thanksgiving night? They may lose by 30. You're they right. May- That's what I'm saying. I'm, you got to pick yes or no. You're Fine. The one. No, they don't lose by more uh, than 30. Boo. That would have been fun if you had said they did. But like, that the fact that that's even a possibility that's not what you're looking for on thanksgiving right you want the games that are going to come down to the wire maybe though the nfl has they're clearly doing some different things as evidenced by the, the division talk we had maybe they're like you know what people are like stats you know they're they're zoned out you know what i mean like they've had family over all day they just they want to fire up the board games you know like let's just let's put on a game that they are fine having on in the background. You know what I mean? That they don't necessarily have to sit and, and, you know, focus on like, that's consider that a gift. You know, that's a nice thing. You know, it's entirely possible. I, if they did that, then I at least understand it, but I just, I don't want to see the saints. I want to see good games in prime time. And I don't think the saints are going to have very many. That is going to do it for this edition of The Look Ahead. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. He is RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. We remind you again, please rate, review, and subscribe. We are happy to answer any question you ask, no matter how weird. If you leave it in your review, we will answer it on the program. RJ, thank you very much, and we will talk to you next week. Cowboys going 17 0. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.